Thank you for downloading Season 5, Episode 16 of Baseball Pitching the Fix, featuring baseball pitching motion expert Angel Borelli. I am your host, Joe Janish, and here we are in the off-season where we are engineering the pitcher and getting your pitchers ready for the upcoming season. We are currently recording this at the end of November, beginning of December. We will be going through our Coaching the Coaches segment, as well as All It Takes Is All You Got, which is some strength and conditioning. So without further ado, Angel, how are we doing today? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Outstanding as always. I'm very excited about the holiday season and I'm very excited about all the pitchers getting ready for their upcoming seasons. I'm sure there are some pitchers getting ready in January for January and February spring training. And toward that end, Angel, what innovative new ideas do you have for the coaches and their throwing programs? So what I've done, Joe, is I've, uh, we, as you know, we've been discussing the throwing program for the last few shows with different ideas for how to start to create them. And what I did today is I came up with a list of ideas and innovations so that all of you coaches out there can maybe look at this season a little bit differently than maybe you have in the past. I know we always have to get organized and we have to understand what our pitchers need, but this time is so golden in the, at the beginning of the throwing program when they're throwing short distance and then they're throwing their pitching distance. And then no matter if you're somebody who is going to be into long distance or whatever, I, you know, people know my opinion on that, but it doesn't matter. No matter how far you're going to take a pitcher out, he's going to have a few weeks, probably five or six before he could even get past 60 feet. And those weeks are so important because What we want to do is we want to use those weeks to actually start to recreate anything that needs to be recreated in the pitcher. And you know, pitchers change year to year. So sometimes you have to watch what they're doing to mix it with what you saw from the last season and also what you're going to uh, be dealing with this next season. 45, 60 feet is the perfect time to be creative about what you're going to do. And what I want to do is I know that the throwing programs will be probably starting somewhere in the first, second week of December. But what I want to do is give you some ideas to ponder so that when you get the guys together the first time, you have some solid things you can do. And the things that I'm recommending are things that I've done, of course, for years with my pitchers because I have tons of pitchers that come to me for this purpose. And you don't have to be on a mound to see what a pitcher is doing, particularly if you have information from last season as to some of the problems. So the first thing I want all the coaches to do, and believe it or not, this is something you're going to be better at than I am, but it is very, very important, and I'll tell you why. The first thing I want you to do is I want you to line all your pitchers up, and I want you to have them each have a baseball, tell them to take a four-seam grip. And all of them raise their arm up in front. So for those of you who understand uh, angles, it'll be 90 degrees of flexion. So the arm is straight out in front as if your arm were, you know, going to catch a raindrop, but your palm is down and, he, and they're showing the forcing grip straight on. So as you walk down the line, you're able to see straight on the grip of the forcing. Now, the reason why I'm telling you to do this is we know that we have to get a handle on all these injuries. And the forearm injuries are, of course, the injuries that lead to the Tommy John surgery. It has happened so many times in the last year, whereby shifting 
the thumb or one of the fingers, you see a relaxation in through the wrist and the forearm. So what I'm going to ask you to do is to walk down the line, stand in front of each pitcher one by one, have him raise his arm. And if you see a thumb position that causes something to look strange in his wrist, right above the thumb. In other words, you see him sort of struggling there. In other words, he hasn't grabbed the ball easily. Then I want you, with your knowledge, to make the adjustment and see how he moves his wrist and if that feels easier to him. The number of pitchers that come to me with inappropriate grips, and I, through discovery, have to figure this out, And of course, this is your expertise even more than mine. Now, when I look at a grip, I'm looking at it for ease of the movement of the joints. But your knowledge, and you're going to be able to see it if something looks odd, particularly if it doesn't blend with what you know as a coach that would work. And I want you to do this before you even let them throw a ball. So that's the first thing I want you to do. Then I want you to set up a calendar for how those first few weeks are going to go since the 45 feet and the 60 feet distances are so important. Now, at every distance, we want a pitcher to go through a series of sessions where he's throwing 50 pitches, and then we want him to add 70, another 25, so then he's going to 75. And then once he's accomplished X number of sessions, then you go to 60 and do the same thing. Now, what I want you to do is understand that the important thing to do is to get to 60 feet. But at 45 feet, there are some wonderful things you can do. And what I do is I usually keep my guys at 50 throws for two sessions. And then I keep them at 75 throws for three sessions. And when I say 50 throws, we all know we don't go out there and throw 50 throws. The scientific method, I mean, the method you see on throwing programs is usually 25 sets of 25. So you'll do two sets of 25, then three sets. But depending on the pitcher, and I don't really do it that way anymore. I once in a while do it, but the guys love throwing sets of 15. And I love it for them too, because it actually is probably the max number of pitches we would want them to ideally throw in an inning. So it's really good to start harnessing their energy at that level. So, but the total throws would be around 50 throws. And keep them at 45, maybe for five different sessions, for five sessions, and you're doing two at 50, three at 75. When you get to the 60 foot, you're going to have some more sets, and I'll talk about that in a minute. Now, here's the the focus you want to have at 45 feet. It's a great way to first look at their general mechanics and see what you're seeing. Secondly, the focus of your flat ground at 45 and 60 feet should be at 45 feet trying to find a consistent release point and at 60 feet trying to find a consistent release point and making sure they're getting over their front leg and doing everything you want them to do. Now, the thing that I think falls away from a lot of programs is we say, okay, let's do flat ground and then they haven't seen a mound until they start pitching. I use a mound on all the distances and depending on the pitcher himself, I like to have the guys get on the mound. Let's say they're in their 75 count uh, series. Have them get on the mound. They're still playing catch. So tell them not to do a knee lift. That way they don't start pitching. But they're getting the downhill trajectory, which changes the length of the stride. 
So now you're getting them playing catch in a more consistent way. And it's a great tool to use. The other tool that's fantastic is at 45 feet flat ground, have the partner get down so that he's in a catching position. And again, do this when you're in that 75 count series because you want to take advantage of doing innovative things. And this way, they're also getting a chance to look at their release point and kind of create a different angle for themselves flat ground. So this is a great thing to do at 45 feet. So use the mound, have the catcher be down, and be careful of having them use a knee lift because they get crazy once they start lifting their knee. They start thinking pitching. And then what you've got is a session that where they're not conditioning, they're trying to throw hard. But, you know, 45 feet's great because most pitchers know not to throw too hard because they're always afraid of hurting their partner. So anyway, 45 feet's a great controlled type of throwing. So now when we get to 60 feet, I always like to keep the guys at the throws that are in the 50 range at least three to four times. And then I do three to four times at 75 throws. That way they're spending more time with their actual pitching distance. And again, I use two methods that I think are fantastic. One is we have them throw 60 feet flat, as you would, checking out, you know, the different various things you want to be looking for. Then we have them throw with the catcher down and they're still flat. And then I have a third style where we have them move back and they shuffle step, not crossover step, not crow hop but shuffle step 260 and the partner is down and then they throw in that fashion. And again, we're doing this after they've been at 60 for a few sessions. It can be at the end of the 50, can be at the end of the, or in the 75 range. But these are some methods that start to get the pitcher feeling consistency with his release point and also having something that is starting to introduce power, particularly when he's doing the shuffle step down into the partner that's down. Again, we use the mound where the partner is up and he's at 60 feet. And so that the pitcher is now getting a stride that is a little better length. I don't usually have the catcher down at 60 feet during uh, the flat ground throwing section because, because it's 60. Because the catcher's down, the pitcher's going to start trying to pitch. And we want the focus not to be about necessarily, we don't want him in his motor control center in his brain where he's just repeating habits. We really want him to be working on his release point and uh, being consistent with his mechanics. So does that make sense so far, Joe? Yeah, it does. I do have a couple of questions, though. Okay. Some really simple things just to get out of the way. So if the partner is standing up, should they be putting a target kind of low, like down toward the belt, or does it matter? I don't think we've ever done that. Now, here's when I have done that. When there's a pitcher that's completely wild, and I don't usually see this at the higher levels, which is mostly what I work with, but let's say I've got somebody who's completely wild and I'm seeing my catcher reach all over the place. I will have the catcher giving, the catching partner give him an early glove and I'll say, look at that glove and hit it and the target will be out there. So I think in in cases where you're seeing something really odd and he can't hit the glove, you do have to do something like that. But normally you've got the 
uh, pitcher working on the release point and the way his mechanics feel to him. And, you know, most guys are going to hit a normal glove no matter where it's at if, they're, if they have anything decent going on. Do you know what I'm saying? With youth pitchers, that may be important. Yeah, so that's the idea for that that could be done. Right. Yeah, I'm asking because, uh, you know, we're, we're talking to coaches out there and while we'll have a few elite guys who have no problems mm-hmm. with their control, if you have 10 to 15 pitchers on your staff, you're you're bound to have a few that are all over the place and can't play catch without yes. focusing on some kind of a target. So I was wondering if we wanted to put the target low just so that they're starting to go toward that downward plane or? No, I, I think the downward plane comes if you have the guy down. I don't think you do that with the glove. I think you put the glove exactly where it would be when you're just playing normal catch, but you put it up there early so the guy can see the target if he's having target problems. Once you st- want to work on a downhill trajectory, the only way to do that is for the catcher to actually be down. You don't want to have a fake downhill trajectory. Okay. So you either are downhill, you're either going downhill because you're working on the stride, the stride length, the stride length is different, or you're working on you know, you get a longer stride when you do the run up, but when you are, when the partner is down, that's when you're getting a trajectory difference. But I think when they're playing catch, it should be normal playing catch. I like guys to know the difference between playing catch and pitching. I think that's important. So these variations somehow dial them into some different things, but it gives you a chance to focus on some of the different characteristics and things you want to be looking at, which is the next thing I want to go over to give coaches some idea of things you can do. In other words, we want the we don't want the guys to just go out there and do what I see all the time. They're just throwing the ball. They don't have any purpose for it. Sometimes they're using mechanics that are so bad and you know that's not how they throw. A pitcher that's warming up and playing catch should not be throwing sidearm or flinging the ball or tossing it or doing whatever. He should have what looks like a normal motion, making sure he starts sideways, steps and turns, uh, just like he does when he pitches. And I think this is where programs really fall short. It's like, okay, things don't really start till we get to the mound. No, they start the minute you put a ball in your hand. And I think that for pitchers to be taught that is a really great thing for them to learn at an early age, especially. Okay. And toward, toward the end of wanting to make a difference between uh, playing catch and pitching, while we're doing this playing catch, it's just four seam throwing. There's no, there's no mixing in sinkers or change ups or anything like that. Just, just four seam throwing like you were almost as if you were a position player. Well, you know, that's completely up to the coach who already has his own system for how he likes to work with pitches. So I don't have anything to say about that one way or another. But I do know that when a pitcher comes to me, depending on what his story is, we may, in fact, the pitcher will usually say to me, can I try some two seams? Can I try this? I go, absolutely. Now, of course, he's in his 45-foot throwing segment of his program. He hasn't been throwing, probably not a great time to be throwing sliders and curveballs. And also too, you know, I learned this from coaches. Until a pitcher shows some efficacy at with the four seam, you don't want him to even be working on anything else. You know, and, and youth coaches always tell me the four seam changeup combination has to be solid before they learn other pitches. So I learned that from baseball guys. 
So it makes sense that if you got a guy coming off of rest and he starts throwing and he's throwing aberrantly with a forcing grip, that's when you say, okay, give him an early glove and you keep him to the forcing. So I think that's really up to the coaches. But I know that we like to keep everything focused. And in terms of conditioning, conditioning the wrist and the elbow and the shoulder, conditioning the forearm is the simplest with the forcing grip because you're not getting any type of weird rotation or necessary rotation that you would get with some of the other pitches, particularly the pitches that require that thumb to be in a different place or some placement that actually, you know, turns the forearm. You want straight up joint actions when you're re-entering a pitcher. And this, of course, has more emphasis if your pitcher has a history of surgery or pain. And of course, I think I mentioned this in one of the other programs, before the guys are out there, you should have some sense of their history. And also, what did you think of them last season? And so for each guy, you may have a different thing that you're going to be focusing on, and that'll help you make those decisions. Yeah, that's that's exactly how I've always handled my pitchers, no matter what age they were. We always had the uh, four seam. As soon as you can prove to me that you can throw with the four seam, then we'll move on to other things, whether it's a changeup or a sinker or whatever. I have just one more question. When when we're doing these sets of 15, for example, mm-hmm. how much time should the pitcher be spending in between sets? Well, they're not going to want to take, you know, you always want to say, hey, we're going to do this in kind of an innings format. So, you know, a pitcher might be sitting in a dugout for X number of minutes. They're not going to want to kick around dirt for that long. Usually they just, you know, walk up to their partner, they stand around, they talk. So it's going to end up being a minute, two minutes, three minutes to really, really recover the chemistry of the muscle. Two to three minutes would be probably perfect. Now, if you've got pitchers getting out of breath, let's say you're doing um, the the run-up throwing where you're having them, run, uh, you know, shuffle into the shuffle throwing, we'll call it, the shuffle into 60 feet and the catcher's down. They can only do three or four before you're going to see them out of breath. Always educate your pitchers that they are never to train out of breath. I don't care if they're running or whatever because they're not. That's a different type of athlete. They're using a different type of system, and they're not going to be at 100%. 100% is what every pitcher needs to do when he is pitching. And that to be 100% and to be completely 100% for that moment, meaning 100% on your first throw is going to be different than 100% on your 30th throw because your body's not warmed up. So you're giving perfection, but it's not going to be with the same intensity. When you're out of breath or you're feeling tired, you're never really fully there. So you never want to throw a ball. And pitching's great because you get 20, you know, it's about 20 seconds between pitches. So you don't want to see your pitchers, if you have them doing a particular style that's more intense, you don't want to see them throwing out of breath. They need to recover. That's why the 15 pitches is so good. All right. Well, those are my questions for now. Please continue. Okie dokie. Okay. So now what are you going to be looking at when they're doing this throwing? So first of all, at 45 feet, and especially when they're throwing downhill, and if you have at 45 feet, the catcher down, which I love, it really gives the trajectory, but the pitcher has to hold back. This is a great time for you to look at if he's getting over his front leg, if he has a follow through that is correct. 
So getting over the front leg is something every pitcher needs to learn how to do because the pitcher will, will have, you know, the best chance for reaching a higher velocity. Secondly, the deceleration of the arm after the throw is critical to keep the guys from getting injured. So for them to learn it and practice this at 45 and 60 feet is essential that they come down from their release point diagonally and wrap, they wrap their arm around their waist. They don't cut it off. All you pitching coaches know when a pitcher doesn't finish his pitch what it looks like. There has to be a release of the elbow, and that saves the back of the shoulder, the back of the elbow, the bicep, everything else. So you want to be, during all these throws, making sure that they are decelerating correctly. The other thing that's really important, it's probably the first thing you might want to look at after looking at their grip. So you're looking at, you've already looked at the grip. You want to make sure when you see them throw that they are stepping out on a straight line and they're not crossing over so that the right-handed pitcher is not taking his left foot and moving it so far to the right that he's completely crossed over, which will affect the way his hips come through, which will affect the way his arm comes through at delivery. Now, yes, we know, and we've, of course, addressed this on podcasts, there are many pitchers who make their living stepping across their body to throw because they hide the ball really well and, you know, for all these other reasons. But it is the number one reason why an elbow or a shoulder gets injured because if you can't get the hips through, the arms lead the way and you're not able to really accelerate through the shoulder if you're off balance. You end up, you know, throwing more like a quarterback where the elbow comes through first. So this is a great time. And even if this is a pitcher who, you know, if you feel like you want to change his stride or whatever, his stride landing once he's pitching, but during the first few weeks, you really want to teach really clean, efficient mechanics because there's no stress of throwing strikes. There's no stress of winning games, but you have a chance to let the body actually move the way it was designed and not come up with some weird configuration because it helps him throw strikes. So that is what, why this time is so beautiful. Uh, and Joe, you remember we've talked about this a lot with the stride landing, right? Yeah, it's too bad that uh, Chris Sale never listens to our podcast. Oh, <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> Oh, well. <laughs> so anyway, and then the other thing you want to see is you want to look at the way they're coming out of the glove. You know, when you coaches are walking around, see if you are seeing them come out of the glove correctly to where they're not showing the ball unnecessarily, like being on a diagonal plane where the hitter can see the ball for like when he comes out of the glove, when it's over his head. You know, deception is one of the, is of course the most important thing for pitchers next to location. And this is a great time to look for that. Now, why is this so great? Well, because first of all, they're going to absorb corrections to this. But if they can't come out of the glove correctly, playing catch at 45 feet, they're going to have trouble on the mound. So these are some really important characteristics that pitchers have to adopt. And so it's a great time to do that. So those are the ways that I want people to start thinking about creating some really cool throwing programs. Now, I just want to talk for a minute and then I'll be done with this topic on the longer distances. So here's what we know. So let's say you have accomplished, you've gone 
It maybe takes you two weeks to get through 45 feet, takes you three weeks to get through 60 feet, give or take. So let's say you're four or five weeks in and you are deciding you want to take your pictures for long, longer distances. And let's say you've had a lot of success. You're, you're seeing guys with consistent release points. You're seeing good mechanics. Well, when you take them further, know that probably at 75 feet, you might not see too much of a change. But when they start getting to 90 and especially 120, you're going to start to see release point differences as they get further beyond. 120, you're going to see front leg differences the way the knee angle is. And then once they get further, you're going to start seeing consistent release point changes. And if you just spent five, six weeks working on that, you want to be aware of what you're doing. And also you want to come up with a plan for how you're going to handle this so that they don't lose sight of what they just learned. This is why, you know, in the work that I do, I stick with what the job is for the pitcher because I don't have time to teach him, then have to reteach him because he's done something in between that has lost the pattern for him. So as you go further distances, know that they may need more recovery, know that their mechanics are going to change and make sure you're checking in at shorter distances to see if they have, if they somehow are able to bounce back so you don't lose all the work that you've done. Well, all right. That's really good stuff, Angel. And I think that we're going to be able to get a lot out of that, all the coaches out there. Now, I think we should move into our strength and conditioning segment. All it takes is all you got. So for those of you who are are in front of a computer, now's the time to go over to Angel's YouTube channel and follow along with us the videos that we'll be taking a look at. And if you are not in front of a computer, if you're listening on your phone or in the car or whatever, just make a mental note that when you get home, and get in front of a computer, just fast forward to about the 28 minute mark and follow along with us on Angel's YouTube channel. So Angel, let's talk about the videos that you have for us today. Okay. So, you know, I think I I tell everybody, I, you know, my background was as a strength and conditioning coach. So I'm able to use exercises as tools to change mechanics. So I do very skill specific training with my pitchers. So once I know what we have to change or once I see them on the mound and work with them to see what has to change or be adjusted, I come up with either create an exercise or use an exercise that exists to actually teach them to embed the, the movement skill into their body. You know, pitching is a sequence of athletic skills, the ability to lift the knee and not fall all over the place, the ability to stride correctly, the ability to get over the front leg. All of every part of it is attached to a skill and it's attached to a movement of a joint. And when you're in the gym training, you're training your muscles that cross the joints. So I match the need to an exercise or a drill. So in the first video that uh, you will see one of my pictures doing, so there's an exercise in the gym called the good morning. And the good morning is usually done standing, and it is an exercise that uh, actually works at at the level of the hip flexor, and it's actually a low back strengthening exercise. Some hamstrings are involved. So what I did is I put my pitcher onto this sort of, I just found a place for him to sit in the gym where he would not be sitting on a chair with his legs straight, you know, his thighs straight, but he would be sort sort of what I call a bar stool sit. So he's at a certain angle with his leg. 
And what he's doing here is working through his hip joints and working with the position of the low back and the rib cage being up so that he's actually practicing the skill of the trunk tilting forward. And as you can see, as he's moving, he's tilting forward and his shoulders and his, uh, are pretty much out at the level of the front of his foot. So this is kind of a movement that starts to build in the ability and the feel and the skill of getting over the front leg. This pitcher has a very long upper body. So for him to go forward over the foot when he's not going to be sitting is going to be a challenge. But the hip flexors need that conditioning. They need that strength. And he needs that self-awareness of how to do that. In the second video, I then take it to something that's very specific to pitching. So I, he's a right-handed pitcher, so I put him into the ball release position, and then I have him take a weight, and you can see he's not working with a heavy weight. In the first video, we just had a bar across his back. So now here he is with a light weight, and he's really developing the ability to hold on to his left leg position as he goes forward. In other words, he's going over his front leg without pulling the knee backward as he goes over. He's actually using his strength to be able to, you know, do this movement, which is exactly like pitching. His back foot is something he's also becoming aware of how important it is in terms of stabilizing him as he's doing this, which in pitching, that's one of the most important things. So many pitchers pull their back foot off too soon, and they have no choice but to pull backward on the front knee. So this is a great exercise. And of course, while you're teaching your pitchers to do this, you are teaching them why they're doing it and how to feel the different pieces of this. So then, of course, to make it very, very skill-specific, I took him outside, and this gym happened to have, as you see, a little kind of driveway there. And so now he's doing the same movement downhill because now he's got a different thing to process through his front ankle because he's downhill. And you can see him using his back leg for stabilization. You can see he used, he's got a lighter barbell on his shoulders. He intuitively knew to go change that weight. And uh, so this is what we did. And then later this afternoon, the, in the afternoon, we went out to the mound. He's not throwing right now, but I actually took him through this sequence on the mound with his cleats so that he really could process what he has to do here. And after a few tries and making errors, the pitchers start to get, for example, whoa, if my back foot isn't solid on the ground, I can't go forward. If I'm not strong behind my front knee, I can't maintain that height of that leg. If my ankle isn't correctly positioned on my front leg, I'm not going to be able to keep that knee angle. And if my low back isn't in this position, I'm going to be using my trunk muscles in a weird way instead of the leg and the hip muscles, which is what is required. So aren't these uh, three cool little videos here? They're very cool. And my, my back is hurting just watching him go, go over his front leg. <laughs> I know. And he didn't do 100, even though this video keeps replaying. <laughs> so, yes. Yeah, so anyway, these this is a I call this the good morning sequence. And it's one of the exercises I use to help pitchers 
feel and understand what getting over the front leg uh, does. And of course, they put the barbell down and then they go through their pitching motion and they absolutely love it. So what you want to do with mechanics during the time that they're not throwing is to work with the mechanics because the minute the ball gets in the hand, they go into their normal patterns. So by having this be completely in a different environment, no ball, nothing, they're able to feel and learn and understand. Pitchers need to understand what they're supposed to do. And when they understand what they're supposed to do, they have a better chance of being able to do it. So, and, you know, I'm a fanatic about getting over the front leg because it's the easiest way to add velocity. You don't have to jump through hoops and buy all these things to try to get velocity. You don't, shouldn't even be looking at those things unless you're doing all the things in the motion that actually accentuate your ability to have tap velocity. So the good morning sequence is my all it takes is all you got movement, skill-specific training uh, for this episode. That's awesome. I, there are a lot of pitchers that we've talked about on this podcast that would benefit from that exercise. And uh, just because it's called the good morning doesn't mean you can't do it in the afternoon or the early evening. <laughs> I know it's an old fashioned bodybuilding exercise and it's the most incorrectly done exercise <laughs> as well. But when I, I actually designed it for a pitcher about two years ago and I had him sitting, I said, Let, well, a seated good morning is actually a, a training exercise that we use a lot in Olympic lifting. So I said, hmm, if I take that seated good morning and raise up the seat so he's not sitting like in a chair then I'll bring in that angle of the leg. And then wait a minute, if I have him stand up and he's in his ball release position, it just took on its own life and pitchers love it. And it gives them that sense of how they have to work. And listen, they are working hard when they're doing this. So, uh, and you know, coaches, I always say before you teach something, do it yourself. Uh, you can take the pull down bar off of a cable and use that on the shoulder of a pitcher because it's long. And it weighs nothing, but they have to have something on their shoulder to actually activate everything. The position of the low back has to be like you see on the video. The back is in extension. The rib cage is lifted. That trunk position has to be there. And that, by the way, is the correct trunk position for the follow through. So this is just trains so many parts for the pitcher. So it's one of my faves. Yeah, that's a good one. So if, if we're out at the ballpark... Uh, is it okay just to use like a bat or a fungo or something in place of the barbell? Yes. Uh, we took a broom out of the dugout when we were there because I brought something and it wasn't long enough for him. But yes, it, the, it, as long as the bat's long enough to where he can get his hands on it and doesn't feel all cramped up. But yes, and having their cleats on. Remember, everything changes downhill. That's why this season, uh, all my off-season training with my guys we are double splitting. We're in the gym in the morning and then we're doing exercises, stride exercises, et cetera, on the uh, mound because when you do them flat, it just isn't the same. So, and it's been real effective so far. So what I'm hoping is that all these things will be adjusted. So when they throw the first ball, they are already adjusted. Yeah, it's great stuff. I'd like to see Tyson Ross try to do this. <laughs> Yes, that would be great. He certainly could uh, benefit from uh, not being vertical and getting over his front leg. But you know what? You do what you feel. So well, it works for him. Well, that's all we have for today. But actually, for those of you who are listening all the way through, we do have something special in the spirit of the holiday season. 
Angel is offering $20 off her book, Engineering the Pitching Elbow. Instead of $67, it'll be only $47. Now, before we tell you how you can get that discount, Angel, why don't you talk a little bit about the book? Well, you know, this book took me seven years to write. And what I love about this book, I mean, if you listen to me teach, you know that I like to teach concepts before I just, I'm not an instructor. I like to teach concepts and then show you an exercise, et cetera. I don't want you just doing something. I want you to know why you're doing it. And when I wrote this book, which was originally called Engineering the Pitching Elbow, and then I changed it to Strength Training the Pitching Elbow. But this book to me is one of the things I'm most proud of. What I love about this book is the information you get at the beginning is before you even get to the exercises is so special. I did a whole segment on tracking the elbow through the pitching motion. I felt like unless you understood what does the elbow actually do, what's its job? And the elbow is different than the arm. You know, when we talk arm, we're talking the whole segment, uh, the upper segment, lower segment, anything involved with your arm, hand. But the elbow is a different joint. And so I did a, a special section where you actually track the elbow during the pitching motion. And I think for people who want to understand what really go, the elbow goes through, it's a great part of the book. The other thing I love about it is I took every muscle that's involved in the arm and I talked about how to actually understand what the roles of the muscles are in the upper arm, the forearm the wrist, the fingers. So this book is not about the shoulder. It's about the biceps, the triceps, the forearm, the wrist, the fingers. Talks about the different pitches, the way the roles of those muscles change. So the concepts and the understanding you get about the arm is so important. And I love that it's the, at the beginning of the book. Then I go into all the specific exercises for each of the muscle groups. Then I, of course, have created workouts. I've created workouts for in-season, off-season. And of course, I put a section in for the youth pitcher. And if he was going to train at home just with dumbbells or if he was going to be at the gym, it's got so many fantastic things in it. And Joe, I think the uh, table of contents is on my website if anybody wants to see it. But Anyway, I love this book. And if you are an aficionado of pitching, there's no book like this on the market. And you will learn more than you could imagine because indirectly, when you learn about the arm, you start to understand pitching in a different way. I think this is, this is why I wanted to, you know, as a gift to the listeners, see if there was something I could do to make it more accessible. So at $47, I hope that that will work. Yeah. And that People who have been listening, they have heard me recommend the book over and over again, and I'm, I'm still trying to figure out why you haven't purchased it yet. So if you haven't purchased it yet after I've mentioned it, well, here's your chance. We got $20 off. It's going to be only $47. And now here's the trick. Email angel, angel at gymscience.com, G-Y-M-S-C-I-E-N-C-E.com. And in the subject line, just type the fix. And then in your email, just request that you get the, uh, the $20 discount to $47. And Angel will personally email the book back to you. It's a digital edition. It's a PDF. And uh, there you go. 
Yeah, and you know what, Joe? I'm going to make that even easier. How about this, everybody? Don't even you don't even have to. You can say what you can send me an email and say hi if you want. But to keep it simple, if you want to just put the fix in the subject line, that will let me know you want this book because this is only for my listeners. Also, your email, of course, will be on there, and then I'll send a PayPal invoice to you directly, and then you'll just pay it that way. And as soon as I receive that. I will send you, you won't have to download it. I'll send you the PDF. And uh, that's the way I want to do it. I wanted to keep it personal so I could say thank you to each person who wanted to uh, purchase the gift. And if you have a picture in your life, he would love this book. And by the way, the photos in it are fantastic. They're laid out in such a way and they're in color. They have instructions on posture. This book is just loaded with information. As I said, if you want to know more, go to the table of contents on my website on the products page and you'll be able to see all the things that it covers. So anyway, so awesome. Yeah, there you go. Happy holidays, everyone. We'll be back uh, in a few weeks. And in the meantime, we wish you safe and effective performance on the pitching mound.